Okay, so we're back with an episode of Barbie Does Dating. So we decided, so we just got done with an interview with Jennifer Finlayson Fife. And Nick was wonderful enough to set that up. I ha- I was not familiar with her. And I know, Nick, you've been listening to her for a while, right? You and your wife listen to her podcast? Yeah, well, I do. Okay. And, and then we both did what we purchased one of her courses that okay. she has off her website. Okay. And so I wasn't super familiar with her. And so Nick's like, hey, I was able to get this. And I'm like, cool. I know nothing really about this woman. And But every person that I told, I was like, yeah, Nick got this. And people were like losing their crap. They were like, <laughs> like two of my friends were like, what? Oh my gosh, you're really going to it? And it's like, yes, she seems very nice. And they were just dying. So it was... It was great, actually. It was very, very good. Sometimes, like, because I listened to one of the podcasts and the person that was in it. So it's not even like the podcast that that I listened to that Nick sent me. It wasn't even her podcast. It was like a podcast put together of interviews with her. And the person that was interviewing her was so mellow and calm. and And my ADD the whole time was like, what? What? What did they say? I just kept zoning out. And it wasn't because what they were talking about wasn't interesting. It was just... It was mellow. It was kind of like going to the temple and then it's the perfect temperature and the lights dim and the nice voices. And I'm like, because I remember the first few times I went to the temple, I'm like, how could anyone fall asleep? And then like a year into it, I'm like, I'm fine. So yeah. So that, so it was actually just fantastic. So I want to talk about, let's just kind of recap some of the stuff that she talked about. Well, let's start off with you, Barbie. What did you, what stood out to you then? You know, one of the things was she talks about the kind of going all in and like until you go all in. So my niece, my my family doesn't listen to my podcast. So I'm going to talk about this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My niece got back from her mission and I, I adore my niece. She is super cute. She's a little on the grumpy side. And, um, Every guy from her mission, like I am telling you, the second they got off their missions, she was the first person they emailed. They're like, I would love to take you on a date. I would love, like she had love letters coming and not that we were surprised, but we're like, she's so grumpy. What are you talking about? And they're like, we love her. She is amazing. And we're like, awesome. This is great. So there's this one missionary that she served with. And I remember seeing a picture of him like a year ago. She didn't point him out or anything. It was in a group. And I call him Elder Captain America because he kind of, he's got like a strong jaw. He's tall. He's very good looking. I'm like, who's that dude? Well, he's one of the guys that really has liked her since her mission. And so she started kind of dating and everything. And this is new to her. She's never really had guys like really pursue her. This is a very new experience for her. So, you know, she kind of was like going back and forth. And she, and this guy was like, It'd been a few weeks and he was like, I really would like to date you. Like, let us, like, I would like to date you when you're ready. And she got so into her head that I thought she was just going to lose her mind because she just was going into her head of like, well, what if I hurt him? What if this, he doesn't live close enough. He does, da, 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 da. I don't want to hurt. And it was just every possible thing. So she was like talking to it about it with her parents. And one of her brothers was there and he's only like 14. And, uh, She was like, what if I hurt him? What if I break his heart? And he goes, but what if you fall in love? And it was like- Who said that? Rhett, my littlest nephew. He's 14. Wow. Because the other problem is- Sounds like a freaking script. I know. I was like, are we in a Hallmark movie? (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) What if you fall in love, dear sister? (laughs) It really was. That's what my sister was telling me this story. And I'm like, that didn't really happen. She's like, no, it really did. Because the other thing is, we've met this kid several times since the mission, and we- love him 
Like, I have never, like, instantly when you meet him, like, I'm just like, you're part of the family. We freaking love you. Like, we kind of joke. We're like, we like you better than her. This is great. You need to stay mm-hmm. around. So he told her, like, nephew. the nephew was like, but what if you fall in love? And as cheesy as it sounds, she went and, like, prayed about it that night. And the next day, she didn't tell any of us. She's like, okay, I'm ready to go all in. And it was like a 180. All of her anxiety was gone. All of her stress was gone. Like, she was just like, let's just give it a try. Because we're like, you don't have to marry the dude. Just date him. Like, just date him. You're in your head too much. And so the change we saw instantly. She is the smiliest little person now. Like, he's down there and my sister's sending me pictures of she's curled up on him cuddling. And we're like, we ne- we have to beg you for a hug. What is happening? And so just seeing that made me think of people in my life that I'm like, oh, I wish they would just jump all in and see if like, see what would happen. But that was something that I thought was so interesting because she isn't even, she's also not somebody that's like, what's wrong with you? Just jump in. She made, I felt like she made you really, she made me look at it in a different way. She's like, don't approach things with fear. Approach it in a different way. That was the thing that really stood out to me. Hmm. Steve, Nick, what I mean, a, a couple of things, because it's, it's funny when you're talking about the example of your niece uh-huh. who is grumpy, and yet there's all these guys who are pursuing her. That might even be part of it. Where oh, yeah. she brought up at the start that she's like, sometimes there is disagreements, but that is some of the things that sometimes pulls people because there is a bit of mystery there. Uh-huh. And um, well, for some guys, it could be, I can make her happy. Oh, they yeah, do. Yeah. Challenge I can it. switch this around. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, that it, it's, it's funny because I, I know that we talked about being commitment phobes mm-hmm. or whatever. And I know that sometimes some of that, my commitment phobery is, <laughs> is the idea that it's like, well, that is the end of intrigue in my life. Yep. And then there's no more fun, no more push-pull. But it's like, that's so false. <laughs> there's so many. Uh, we just came up with an idea. The, the ding. <laughs> Did that record? Did the ding come through? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If it didn't. Never mind Never what mind. I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's true. Don't you think that a lot of us that are commitment foes are kind of like... Your, your fear yeah. that you're going to get bored. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that human beings are so infinitely more uh, complex that you are going to have yeah. much more actual intrigue and much more mystery in running into being brave and stepping into yeah. a, a commitment situation than running from it. Yeah. Um, I haven't been bored for over 20 years. Right, <laughs> right. And I actually look forward to the day that I can sit back and think I am I might actually be bored now. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of look forward to it because it sounds like a break. <laughs> that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that's true, right? I only hear it from married people who are like, just I just want to go somewhere and turn off my phone. Mm-hmm. How glued to your phone are single people? Oh, single God. people are the most glued to their phone, whereas marriage <laughs> people are, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but it seems to be the case where a lot of my married mm-hmm. friends go, I just turned off my phone. And as a single person, I'm like, Gross. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful. That sounds, that sounds hideous. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't have to do with me being single or married or whatever. But still, I did like the idea of just, hey, mm-hmm. be a little more brave and be more bold with your uh, getting into commitment. Because then you yeah. can answer questions that are unanswerable before. 
whereas she, she and she talked about that with her own life that her own therapist said you will not know what you need to know being where you are now being where you are mm-hmm being afraid to step into the relationship, you'll never get the answers you want. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. When she, in, in other podcasts, so I, I, as you said, I've listened to some other things. And so I'm kind of pulling in from all the different sources of stuff that I've heard from her. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that she brought up exclusively in ours that was meaningful was this idea of when you are committed or when you are both feet in or however you want to call it, you you enter into this space where you you are almost saying, have to say to yourself, I am intentionally going to a space where I will have conflict. Mm-hmm. I will have growth. I'm, I guess I'm curious, when she talked about that, was that scary? Did you have any anxieties thinking about that? Or was it like, yeah, on paper, that sounds great. For me, it's more on paper. That sounds great. But in the last few months, I've really just been like, I've really been working on myself. Like I've been seeing my dating coach, like a dating coach paying her money. I've started seeing a therapist, you know, these things. And so I'm like, I've also learned in my life that as soon as I'm comfortable is when I joke that my life is just a snow globe to Heavenly Father. And he's like, oh, are you comfy? Did you say it was comfy? <laughs> shake, 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 shake. <laughs> but the shaking things aren't bad in my life. They've actually brought the most wonderful things in my life. Like moving to Utah, who the crap ever thought I'd be like, what a blessing and how much I love it. Because let me tell you, I did not want to freaking move here. And yes, it's still kind of weird. But and then like losing my job and doing these, like everything has brought me these wonderful changes. So now I'm at the point where I know if I say, or as soon as I start feeling comfortable, like I've had for the last six months, I've like, wow, my life is really great. It's very comfortable. And then I'm like, I just stop and I look around. I'm like, ah, crap, 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 crap. Okay. I'm ready. What's happening? What's happening? But yeah, I just really liked that what she was talking about, I lost my train of thought. Well, you're flexing <laughs> muscles, right? You're The whole idea there is that you're flexing muscles so that you can get stronger and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And maybe this is on my mind because I went to the gym this morning and I had been a week off of the gym. Mm. And I was doing weights and lifting something and I was like, hmm, it feels like I've had a week off. Mm-hmm. And for the first, so Heidi and I have been working out for, year and a half now or something like that. And, and the first month is horrible. Yeah. You're sore. It's, you're, it's just miserable. You're like, why am I doing this to mm-hmm. myself? But the longer we've gone, like this morning after we got out of the gym, we were like, I'm really glad we went. I missed it. Part of it was that we feel more capable to do things in life mm-hmm. because of that. We're not getting winded when we have to do some chore around the house when we have to lift something, when we have to move something or build something or whatever the task is, we feel more able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think in a relationship way, that's what she's talking about is going to the gym emotionally, mm-hmm. relationship wise, go to the gym. Don't be so afraid of it. It's not the enemy. It's a, it's a rather powerful and meaningful investment in your life. And so there's this sense that um, people often end a relationship when it starts to feel too difficult. And that actually can, I mean, it's probably best if they don't feel like it's worth enduring that they just stop. 
But those can be the moments where you flip into that, oh, this is my all-in moment. This is where if I jump in here, I can really see if there's growth, if there's meaning, if there's value in this mm-hmm. relationship. And it's it's most likely when you're at the metaphorical equivalent of being a month in the gym where you're finally making that transition to this isn't so bad, mm-hmm. but I know that if I'm going to do this, I have, I'm just going to commit. I'm going to do this and, and get fit. And sometimes people just go, eh, I don't want to. Yeah. And then other people go, eventually, this is what I'm going to enjoy. This is what I'm going to like. I'm going to look forward to it. I'm going to look forward to being stronger, better, more capable, all those different things. I don't know if that metaphor makes sense, but that's kind of the thing that stood out to me as she was talking, that it kind of it made sense to me in that context. Yeah. Yeah, she talked a lot about the, the that it's working your muscles and, and getting you fit for, I think, I think it's not like, because just working your muscles just for the sake of it are silly, mm-hmm. right? And where it's like, now I'm buff. It's like, are you? Can you chop wood? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you're not blue collar strong. You're, yeah. <sighs> there's working man strong and there's gym strong. They're two very different things. It's true. And I think relationship strong seems to be working working Absolutely. person strong that it's like this is this is enriching your life beyond just that it's like oh look at how cool they look as a couple yeah this is enriching every part of you as a human being and uh and just so jim strong would be the reading books and just doing your own thing is that I, what you're comparing I, the metaphor to i think jim strong uh would be I don't know. I think Jim Strong would be just like listening to this podcast, having a really cool Instagram following. (laughs) See, that's what I was thinking of was even like you have couples that are Jim Strong where they're like, look, and they're constantly showing you, look how good our marriage is. Look at the things that we're doing where it's kind of been proven over and over again that the people that are actually in the most solid relationships never post about their relationships because they don't need to show anyone. They're like, this is my, this is my life. I I and, do always feel weird about that. I feel like it's funny because some I had a girl say to me one time, "Why don't you post about us online?" Uh huh. And I said that to uh, a life coach that I had at the mm-hmm. time, and she goes, "Yeah, why don't you?" Yeah. And she goes, "Look, you don't need to post about her all the time, all but the time. she asked that you do, and that shows that it's valuable to her, mm-hmm. and so you probably should because she's telling you what she wants." Yeah. Which I was like, oh. I didn't realize that. Well, and it could also be that she's insecure and she's wanting to stake her claim. Yeah, I think I mean, there's different reasons why people I think it might want have been that. that. There's a lot of levels actually. But that's fine. I think there's a lot of levels to it cuz I have a friend who's been dating a guy for a long time and he will not post about her online at all and it's a very sore subject for them. Hmm. And like for me it's something that I know for myself. I can be a bit needy, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> I am that I am who I am. But I Pop, need Popeye. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I am who I am. But I need like I am someone who needs to know I am your girlfriend. Oh, we have established we are in a relationship. I am your girlfriend. We like you do not need to post about me all the time. I don't need those things, but I do need other people to know that I am your girlfriend. That is something that is important to me. Why do you me. value that? Why do yeah, I value it? It is something that because I think because in the past I have so many guys that have dated me and have kept me in the shadows because they've either been embarrassed of me mm. or they didn't actually truly want to be with me or for whatever reason. But I'm like, you know what? 
I don't feel that it's too much for me to ask that you show, you don't, like, again. That you be proud of me. That you be proud of me. That you're like, this is my person. And again, I think it's weird if you were like every week, like, this is my girl. Like, great, whatever. But (laughs) if people ask like, oh, who's this? This is my girlfriend, Barbie. Yes, that is what I need. It's not, this is Barbie. Yeah, we're not going to touch in public and people are always going to wonder. No, I don't want people wondering. I if, <laughs> if that that is the case. Um hmm. it just kind of reminded me of something that Kristen, my dating coach said to me cuz we were talking about like levels of anxiety or neediness or blah 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 and she said it's only needy if the other person is not willing to give it. But she said if your level of neediness is being met by someone who wants to give that need, that's okay. That's an okay thing. She put it much more eloquently. I'm well, that's part of the choosing part, right? Absolutely. That we, that we had in there. And and that was one of the things that I wanted to spend maybe a little bit more time on, but we mm-hmm. we kind of ran out of time. But this idea of, of choosing your partner and, yeah. and being chosen and all that kind of stuff, she touched on that. Did any of that kind of stick out to you guys as we were talking about it? What do you mean by choosing? Like that you, yeah, go ahead. Well, that you're desired. That that oh, yeah. that someone that someone is desiring you and choosing you and in spite of you know whatever differences you may find or challenges that you may face that they find value in you and in yeah. the relationship that they choose you. One of the things I actually wrote down that she said was, especially this is kind of something that's an older thought, especially for people that are younger, maybe that it was we choose each other. It wasn't one of us was chosen. One of us was chosen, the other person chose that person rather than we chose each other. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So, Have you felt that way in a relationship? I've always wanted to feel chosen, and I never have. Never? Never. Oh, man. There were glimpses of feeling chosen. Okay. But it was never, never anything substantial or long-term or concrete, and it has always left me feeling wanting. Always. Mm. And so I'm like, that's something that I've realized with myself that I'm like going into a relationship. I need someone who chooses me and make sure that he that I know that he's like, I am making sure that you are aware that I chose you and you are important to me. So, Mm. yeah, I don't know. Barbie's been going to a lot of therapy. She's been having a (laughs) lot of breakthroughs lately. (laughs) It's been good. I'm like, I now have a regular therapist and a dating coach. And sometimes they're on the same day and I have to go take a really long nap after. Oh, man. <laughs> Does it, it reinforces each other? It's actually been great. Yeah. Mm. Like, like, was it last week? I had my, yeah, I had my therapy session. And then like two hours later, I have my dating coach session. But it was actually great because I don't have great memory. And so I was, it was able to like talk to Kristen about like, okay, this is some things that my therapist said. These are some things that happen with this. And so it would kind of reiterate. Yeah. I loved it. Yay. Therapy. Nice. (laughs) Nice. I was just going down like some of the things that she said that I wrote down. One of the things I thought was really interesting was she talked about how when we're younger, our sense of self is completely entangled in other people's minds. Mm -hmm. And I guess, and I'm like, oh, yes. And so as you get older, that does change. And you you hope. And some people, it doesn't. And that's where a lot of problems come from. But like she says, we look to others to tell us who we are. Like when you're younger, mom says, I'm good at math. Therefore, I'm good at math. And I, I don't know why that just really stuck with me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have lived a lot of my life that way. And yeah, I don't know. That your sense of self was established Mm -hmm. by those around you. 
like people noticing what I was good at because I'm not good at seeing that myself. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I can work on that a little bit. So that's the yeah. differentiation piece that she mm-hmm. was talking about. It's yep. kind of maturing beyond that and trying to find a space where, again, you can bring your whole self, a, a chosen self uh, to that. And it was funny, I was talking with, a, I'm not gonna say who it is, but I was talking with someone the other day and they were using the phrase that a lot of people use of, I'm just trying to find myself. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you don't find yourself, you choose yourself. Yeah. And, and, and he was like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like a foreign concept. And I said, look, if you think you're going to go digging in the dirt somewhere and that's where you're going to find yourself, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. We're here on this earth to choose who we want to be. And as we choose who we want to be, we evolve and we, and we change and that we maybe choose a slightly different path. And, and that's part of what growing up is, but you choose who you want to be. You can't let who you are happen to you. Yeah. And, I find that that's part of this differentiation idea of how am I supposed to be attracted to someone who doesn't even know who they are mm-hmm. and they're waiting for something in life to make that clear to them instead of just, I'm going to choose it. This is who I want to be. Yeah. And when you choose it, instantly your attractiveness goes up because someone knows who you really are. Mm-hmm. And there's attractiveness and stability It's in, in knowing who that person is and I think that, that, I don't know, how how often do you, what percentage of people would you say in the single adult world, would you say would balk at this idea of differentiation? They would reject it. No, I don't need that. That's not me. Expand on exactly what you mean by differentiation. Well, this idea that, that, as she described it, mm-hmm. this maturing, evolving idea of self that that you don't see, you don't put that. The, the psychological term is external locus of control, meaning mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing that that value outside of yourself, yeah, as in, as opposed to being an inherent value in yourself. Um, what what percentage of people would you say um, find themselves in that external validation mindset? I mean, I think zero. I know that sounds weird, but I think everyone thinks that they're independent and they're mm. making their own Good way. Point. But I think how many people actually put in the work mm-hmm. to truly like put themselves into vulnerability space. I think we all fake that we're <laughs> like independent people. Sure. But the truth is, is how many people are truly doing that? I think it's rare. I think almost everybody falls into that case of we all, I mean, our brains love to be sort of in lockstep with the group. And when we find ourselves outside of it, I mean, look at jeans. How many people were wearing mom jeans when nobody was wearing mom jeans? And now everybody's wearing <laughs> and now mom everybody jeans. everybody is. And so it's like the fact that- Which is a shame. And, and oh. yeah, they're not flattering. They don't look good at all. <laughs> but because it's popular, we're all like, let's just hike up a little higher mm-hmm. and make- but Not the- all of us are saying that the people that live through the first round are not going back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, and some people, whatever, whatever wherever yeah, you feel on mom jeans, it's great. But they're bad. Stop it. Um, <laughs> I think most of us would love to try to be those independent people, but yeah. I think it does truly take muscles to be able to do that, and it's and it's a very vulnerable space. I think it's even harder with social media. Oh god! Because yeah. there's trends 
that you want to be a part of. Yes. Do you feel that it's harder the older you get to be in this differentiated space because you become more needy of some validation? Or is 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 it the other way where you're you are maturing? So you are I mean, you are finding your it's own. the other way. I I this is something that I'm always trying to work on where I always admire those people who don't necessarily care what the world thinks kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm. Um, but to do it truthfully is is difficult. I think we have people who love to be vulnerable for the sake of maybe getting the attention of it. Mm-hmm. Like how often I've seen on social pe- media where people go vulnerable post and then they uh-huh. post and it's like, and sometimes it's great. And sometimes I think they say it because they like want they want all the validation. To sort of gather attention. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that, vul- I think there's a difference between vulnerability and um, seeking, uh, empathy isn't the right word, but, you know, just seeking someone to to hold on to whatever you're saying or whatever. It's a concept that I, I'm always trying to figure out and I, mm-hmm. I always come up with the wrong word. But I don't know. I always appreciate those people who are, who don't care what the world thinks or whatever, <laughs> but in a in a way that I think is brave. Yeah. Rather than just like, I don't care what the world thinks. Exactly. Just, yeah, there can be an immaturity to just disregarding everyone for everything. Correct. Yeah. Like there is some sort of acknowledgement that it's just like, I'm in, I don't care what the world thinks. I am in the world though. And so I will mm-hmm. actually take care of some things. Yeah, I want to be a good person around other people. Yeah. I Not still will be polite. I still will... Because you choose yeah, to be. Exactly. You want to be. Yeah. Well, it's like, what's that saying that it's like when you're younger, everyone's opinion matters to you and that's how you form everything. And then when you reach a certain age, like it's your 40s, it's like you re- you start to not care what other people think. And then when you reach a certain age, you realize that no one was thinking about you in the first place. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. Because I've been told for years that, because I really enjoyed my 30s and people and people were always like, you're going to love your 40s. They're like, you very much come into a mindset of, and and when you say, I don't care what other people think, that could be taken two very different ways of screw you all, I don't care what you think, or, oh, this is what's working for me, I'm going to live my life this way. And I was always like, whatever. And I was talking to somebody last night, and I was like, man, I'm loving my 40s. I really am. I'm like, I'm yeah. feeling so much more secure in myself. Yes, I still need validation, but that's just me. But I'm not as needy for it, but I'm like, I know who I am. Like, I'm I'm really finding out, like, not just who I am, but what I thrive at, what I, how, what, what skills and things do I have and talents in my life that really benefit other people? And I think once you're really comfortable with that, that's a whole new level of just comfort. Yeah. So I'm just like going down my little list of yeah, things that going. I wrote down. The other thing that she talked about was because she talked about being commitment phobe. So the other thing I really liked about her was I didn't realize she got married later in life. We're going to say later in life with a quote unquote, because even 10 years ago, it was not nearly as common to not be married by the time you were 30. Where now I feel like in the church, it's more common. Outside of the church, it's frowned upon if you get married before you're 30 kind of situation. But she was 30 when they got she married. Was 30. And, and he was 38. Yeah, yeah. So I really liked hearing that because I was like, oh, because so many people... And I'm not saying that it's good or bad or whatever, but that, you know, somebody told me, I have a friend who's like, oh, I don't want dating advice from someone who's not married. And I'm like, 
well, I can see that because they're like, well, clearly you're not successful at it. And I'm like, okay, Mm. that makes sense. But I'd rather have dating advice from someone who's been single for 15 years than someone who dated one person, got married, and has never really experienced dating. But they're like, but they've been successfully married for 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not like they don't know what it's actually like to date. So it's just kind of different that way. Um, But when she was talking about like being a commitment phobe and stuff, and I think we're all a level of commitment phobic about certain things. And it's, she said something, she said, the scary thing about choosing a path is you close off the other paths. And I thought that was really interesting because like living in Utah, there is very much, as a single person, there's very much this mindset of like, you're going to get there and get married right away because there's so many single people and you're just going to date and it's going to be wonderful. When in truth, I actually think it's very much the opposite here. I feel like it's much harder to date. And I think that one of the reasons is because there's so much selection that why commit to anything or because you don't know like, oh, but there's 20 other people right here that are passing me by going. And I'm like, oh, but what if they had something better to offer? Where when I was in Colorado and stuff, I saw many more marriages, lots more dating because people were like, hey, my my options are limited. Let's really look at like, get, let's get to know each per- person and see if there was something there. Yeah. But so when she said that the scary thing about taking a path is you close off the other paths. I was like, ooh. That is scary. Yeah, but, choice, choice paralysis mm-hmm, is a real thing, mm-hmm. but FOMO is a real thing too. Oh, yeah. But it just makes me think back to my niece again of what if I hurt him? What if I do these things? And it's like, oh, but child, what if it all works out? You know, but. Well, when you say, what if I hurt him? You mm-hmm. are. You're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt him either way. You, you're going to get mm-hmm. hurt in relationships. And in fact, part of what she was saying is use that. There's mm-hmm. that productive anxiety idea is you're going to go through a very painful bit of things. Yep. Good. Yeah, that's good. That's a great thing. Because it's like lifting weights, again, Mm -hmm. to use that idea. Ultimately, you will develop the ability to manage that. You will be able to handle lifting that anxiety. Yeah. And and, uh, because the the idea of hurting someone else, I think that's one of the biggest anxieties that, I mean, a lot of us have is, and that's hard because it's like, well, I'm okay with hurting myself, but hurting someone else (laughs) is like, Oh, I'm not cool with that. But uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, I think she pointed out that it's like, but you not taking that leap, you not doing that ends up, she said something so briefly and I went to write it down, but it, that it ends up hurting both of you more. Yeah. It's like you, you're you going to be stuck in a space of uncertainty where mm-hmm. neither one of you are happy. Well, you kind of cheat each other of that mm-hmm. growth and yep. that connection. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like... A lot of times in dating, you know, there's kind of a cliche joke, but a lot of guys, when they're not, they decide like they've been dating you for a while, maybe you're in an exclusive relationship and they decide that they don't want to be a part of it anymore. They don't want to hurt you by just coming out and saying, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. So they start pulling away and doing things because, and they, sometimes they're, it's conscious and sometimes it's, it's mostly subconscious, but because they're like, well, if I pull away, then she'll break up with me and I won't have hurted her hurted oh my gosh no hurting. hurt <laughs> i got up at seven that's like three hours earlier than i ever get up so um but when in truth from the girl's side we talk about this a lot where it's like but that actually hurts us more and i was just thinking about like the analogy of like so let's say you have hair on your arm you can either wax it and 
take that strip off or by just pulling away and doing the slow thing. It's literally like taking tweezers and pulling out every hair one at a time. It is excruciating. It really hurts. Mm. We don't ever want to do it again. Where if you just ripped it off really fast, we are like, man, that sucked. But you're going to get over it so much faster. That's the buffalo into the storm. Be yeah, into the storm. Is. Face into the storm. I and there's just no reading good about buffalo that. caves. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said that, you're like, why don't they find a cave? I'm like, the only place I've ever seen buffalo are like Wyoming. There ain't no caves. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's they, just. They've feels. given up looking for caves. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we know no that isn't caves. there. I mean, they're too big to fit in a good cave. <laughs> it would just be like one of them. I am in here. <laughs> it's my cave. You jerk. We're a herd. <laughs> There's like a thousand of us. <laughs> <laughs> and we all have broad shoulders. <laughs> so selfish. Are, uh, I, I, I liked a lot about the uh, sexual compatibility stuff. I thought that was yes. a really intelligent question. And just to... I've I've always I used to say no one's a bad kisser, mm-hmm. and then I kissed somebody who wasn't a good. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, uh. <laughs> but I think it's whether or not that person is open to learning not just to be a good kisser, to learning what you like as a kisser. So it may not even be that they're a bad kisser. No, there are bad kissers, mm. but Simba. <laughs> He rem- I, I've had a guy lick my forehead. Oh. It and it was. It was just like the Simba thing. Just licked straight across. And uh. it was Simba. See, and you can infer a lot of things sexually from that. Yes. It's like, all right, this guy licks foreheads. <laughs> Are we in? <laughs> and the answer was no. 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 <laughs> but, well, because I have conversations with people outside of the church a lot that are like, I can't believe you're celibate now. I can't believe people would get married without having sex with someone. You have to test drive the car, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I guess I could get that to an extent. But honestly, the people that I know that are in successful marriages for 20 plus years were all very much non-sexually experienced going into it. They did go into it, virgins. And they have all told me, they're like, the key is experimenting and being open and being like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. Like You build it together yeah. is the idea. And, and there's a lot of different ways that that manifests itself. Mm-hmm. But like she said, sex is the manifestation of that character, of yes. that relationship. So if you've got one person that's the high desire and one person that's the low, that's really telling you something. Yeah. And both are not in an ideal situation. And she'll use the terms, if you ever listen to any of her other podcasts, about being one up or one down Mm -hmm. in the relationship. And that's terminology that essentially means that both are a position of weakness in some way, but it's how that weakness manifests. But when you're equal and you're able to build something together, you're both coming from a position of strength Mm -hmm. and security and safety. And I, I mean, I can say that since Heidi and I have taken the courses, and that was about a maybe a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, that we've had a very steady increase on our ability to communicate, our ability to work on things together, and to find, I guess you could say, communal efforts Yeah. in, in our relationship. And that's it's manifested itself in so many different ways that we didn't expect. Yeah. And so, well, sometimes... When you listen to her stuff, she'll talk about it in the context of, of sex or something like that. It really is more just because that's how it can manifest in, uniquely in a marriage relationship 
or a serious committed relationship, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular setting, I think that was one of the things that helped us the most was kind of coming to this idea that we both are people of value and we're going to love each other. Yeah. We've chosen each other for so long now that this is where we're at and, and we're really looking forward to making it the best we can. And that last part is the piece that really changed things. Being able to say, not just I'm in this relationship, but I'm in this relationship to make it the best that it can be. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was, I'm in this relationship. What do I need to endure? Yeah. To, to keep that. And that doesn't, that doesn't save anybody any heartache or hassle. It's just everybody loses in that case. So being able to be in a relationship where you both have said, I like you. I love who you are. I'm choosing you. And you are choosing me. That changes the dynamic. That's the both feed in idea. But that changes the dynamic in such a way where you, you, you don't have to protect yourself. Mm. And protecting yourself is very exhausting. Yeah. And, and that's part of the joy of it, though. That's part of where the magic of it all comes is being able to be in that position where you say, we're in this together. And if I say something to you, I don't mean to hurt you. You may get hurt, but I don't mean to. And if that's known on the other side, mm-hmm. that then you have a, a dynamic that fertilizes human growth, but also, more importantly, human happiness. So anyway, she's been very helpful for us. Oh, yeah. I can... I can see that. So I have one more thing that I wrote down. Do you have any other thoughts, Steve? I mean, I just like that how research-based she was as well, mm-hmm. where when we were talking about that uh, that very concept of the relationships, whether or not you're sexually compatible before she goes, I just think this concept of that compatibility, it doesn't hold water because she, and then she cited some like data where it's yeah. like, it doesn't, show that people stay together longer kind of thing and uh that it's just not well where nick pointed out that it's like these are the things that really matter that will actually make your like sex life better or whatever are the more are you committed to each other are you choosing each other are those types of things and it's interesting to to hear that from somebody who's basically a phd in relationships Mm -hmm. that it's like well they have the data but because we love to be, I think everybody considers themselves pretty good at relationships. They know stuff or, or whatever. I, I shouldn't say that because a lot of us know that we're pretty bad at it. But, um, but we all think that we're decent at, uh, I don't know, armchair philosophy. Or <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I got distracted. I know you're shocked at that. It is just very interesting to me because something that I've talked to Kristen and Lauren, my dating coaches, about is as a woman, when we see men's like profiles on dating stuff, especially like mutual where everybody's LDS, you can pick out the guys that were in a sexless marriage at the end of their marriage, like in like two (laughs) seconds. And how do you know? Because (laughs) it is also such a turnoff especially for me, because I know exactly what's happening. So you look, and it's because they mention things in there like, I'm looking for someone, and they put it in a tasteful way, but it's like, my my love language is physical touch. Like, they make sure to put that out there um. first. But then they also say things like, um, looking for someone who knows that physical intimacy is very important to a marriage. Like, they put things like that straight out They'll in their profile. You know. And and they think that they're being helpful. And so one of the things I was taught, and Lauren was like, that's because 
they think that if they put it out there right there, like, I need sex, sex is really important, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but that's not the way to A, build a healthy sexual relationship. And B, I guarantee at the beginning of your marriage, it wasn't sexless. So you can't think that going into it, that as long as I talk about that, we can't go into, like, by the end of it, it was sexless. Like, we can't let this happen. Okay, there were a lot of steps that yeah. led to it being a sexless marriage. Sure. And as soon as I see that, I instantly swipe no because I'm like, you need therapy and you have a lot of things you need to get over from your marriage before I would even consider dating you. Um, but guys, the guys I've talked to about it, they're like, they honestly think that they're being helpful. And look at me, I'm being vulnerable. And I'm like, you're not being vulnerable by basically just saying you're horny. Like, that's not a vulnerability. So true. That's so funny. Well, like, they, they definitely were hurting. In yes. that relationship. Well, Absolutely. And they're trying to put it all on them. Like, uh -huh. I said it. I said and it. And therefore, yeah. I took care of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you yeah. just did the most basic, stupid. Yes. Come on, man. Come on, put man. Put in some math. There's more. Earth. Yeah, put in some Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> um, but I thought that was so interesting because, like, it's just something that I can see glaringly. And I'm like, nope, you've got some issues that you've got to work through. But see, you're going to, I, 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 okay, that's mm -hmm. not a fair prediction. There's going to be times in most marriages where the roller coaster of mm -hmm. desire, yeah, you know, where people are going to be one up or one down at different times and for different reasons. Typically, mm -hmm. biologically speaking, men tend to be the more one up. Typically, yes. And women tend to be the one down. Well, why is that? The exact reason is that mm -hmm. what that guy put in his stupid thing. Yes. Is is you are going into this saying, this is what I expect. This mm -hmm. is what I need. If you don't give it to me, we're probably going to not work out. Yeah. And so you're you're going to someone right out of the gate and saying, this is what I need. I need sex. Yeah. Instead of saying... I want you, I want to feel connected. Mm -hmm. If someone says, I want to feel connected, and, you know, you can use the word intimate, but most people nowadays interpret that as sex. But I, if you say, I want to feel deeply connected to who I'm with, that is a much safer way to get to the point of saying, I want to be so connected to the person mm -hmm. that I'm with that they want sex. Yeah. That they choose it. Because ultimately, mm -hmm. if all you want is sex... You can buy that. Easy. Right. So yeah. That, that's not the thing here. You're trying to have sex on demand, but in a space where you don't feel it's immoral. But it's still immoral if they're not mm -hmm. choosing it. Yes. And and that's the hard part is, is people coming to the idea of this is not a for one person. It's not a one-sided thing. And the more you see it as one-sided, mm -hmm. the less likely you are to get it. Yeah. And, and so- Part of what she teaches in this differentiation process and what we talked about with the the nice guy or the weak guy mm -hmm. is that as much as you think that that thing you're doing is meant to make the other person attracted to you or less of a threat, you actually are less attractive as a result. And the same thing happens with sex in this situation is if he's making that the bargaining chip, you are entering a mm -hmm. transactional relationship from the start which you might find someone that's interested in that. And if it's that important to you, maybe that person will surface. Yeah. But ultimately, it's not sustainable either because what you're getting into is, again, something that's transactional. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're going to get tired. 
and they're not going to want it when you want it. Yeah. And so you have to have a relationship that's built on more. And the more you allow them the space to choose it, the more you might actually get it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the best things I ever heard once was women give sex to get love and men give love to get sex because we have different mindsets going into it. Not saying either one of those is right or wrong or bad in any way, but we feel the intimacy after the act where a lot of guys like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, you know, so I, as you know, I'm a TikTok junkie and there's a lady that I follow. She's called the Dadvocate and she like advocates for men, but um, she's a very fascinating person, but there's a big movement right now online of partner shaming. And okay. what it is, is women will post about their husbands in these ways of like, look what he's doing. And like, I'm going on mom strike. I haven't cleaned the house. I haven't touched a thing in two weeks. And we're going to see what he does. But do they tell them? No. Do they film it and put it online? Yes. And so this dadvocate lady is like, you guys are doing these horribly disruptive things to your lives and then expecting a healthy marriage at the end of it, which is exactly the opposite of what's happening. She's like, you're just setting yourself up for divorce. You're setting yourself up for your husband to feel so betrayed and so humiliated in these ways. But a lot of it, they do talk about where the guy is like, I need more physical intimacy because that is how I feel connected. And women are like, I can't give you physical intimacy until I feel like this need is being met. So that's kind of more of what it is. It's... Mm -hmm. And so just hearing that kind of stuff, you know, seeing that on guys' profiles and stuff, and I'm like, it didn't start out that way, dude. Your last marriage, I guarantee, did not start out that way. You, It's about so much more. And so she said something else. This is the last thing that I wrote down, that she said, it's such a gift, because she was talking about, like, marriage is hard, because Steve had brought up that a lot of people talk about, like, marriage is hard, and you're like, but is it worth it? And she's like, yes, it is worth it, if you can make it worth it. But she said... To look back, it is such a gift to have an intimate friend who has walked this life with me. And something about that just, I was like, that's exactly what I want. That is exactly Hmm. what I want, is an intimate partner that we love and understand each other, and yes, have passionate sex, and those are things we want. But to have an intimate partner or an intimate friend that will walk this life with me, I'm like, that is the best put I've ever heard. There. Cool. That was my thought. That's awesome. all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. And we're done. That was good. <laughs>